Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my gray-bearded co-host alongside me, Elliot. How you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, old master of TikTok. How's the TikTok king doing these days? Well, it feels, it feels good to be on top for once. <laughs> not well, really, not really. I've put out a few TikTok videos now at your prompting, and none of them have done any good except the one with you in it. <laughs> so it confirms that you are the master. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> I will. I did tell you earlier today, I said that officially today, today's a special day, and it's not because it's my birthday. It's because today... I became a TikToker instead of a YouTuber. I, I passed up the, the number of followers I have on TikTok on all other social medias. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I don't know what to feel about that either. Your TikTok today, I was a little. I, I was. I thought you were going to go a little different direction than what you went because at first you get a phone call from someone saying that they're hunting your favorite spot without you, and you leave the scene. I thought it was going to be like a Matt from Higher Praise Sportsman thing where you come with shirt off, like to tackle someone. But <laughs> I, I, I was. I thought it was going to be a little more dramatic. You were just deciding you were going to go hunting too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. See, I, I was like, I was like, there's going to be some venom here because I don't, you know. <laughs> I yeah, I thought about the different options. It's like you could have like, um, <laughs> you, you've everyone's seen like the the meme where it's like the kid, um, and he's holding a gun, but he looks like he's crying, and like the <laughs> the one he's like, uh, I found out my my buddy's like fishing my fishing spots without me. Guy's crying because he ha- the little kid's crying because he has to put him down or whatever, you know, like that's the meme, right? So it could have gone that direction, or I could have been, I don't know. <laughs> you just don't want to go over the top, right? So, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, you're right. I well, and there's two, and it depends on the, depends on the relationship level. Like, you know, I mean, Aiden at this point, when I started hunting with him and I was showing him these places, he needed to ask me permission. And that was just the deal. I was like, okay, I'm showing you all of my most sacred spots ever. And so you're not going back to these spots without, you know, talking to me and, and saying, when are you hunting it? Are you okay if I go? That kind of deal. But now at this point, it's like open access. So it depends on how close a buddy it is and whether you showed them the spot, you know. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So all in good fun. Yeah. I all liked it though. Fun. But I have put out like five or six now videos on there and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it a little bit. I'm not like creative stuff like you're doing. I'm just pulling out clips <laughs> from my videos and I do a little them in bit there. Of here and there too. So, yeah. But yeah. Um, so give you guys a little bit of heads up. Um, today's podcast episode, we are going to be talking all about duck blinds, all about different options for different situations and uh, tips and tactics for how to tackle all those uh, issues that you might come across hunting. So I don't know if we want to call this like a white belt or a black belt episode. Probably going to be somewhere in between. Um, what do you think, Elliot? Yeah, I think it's somewhere in between. Um, we're just going to go over kind of what all the different options are, maybe what our experiences have been. But we're not going into super detail on each one. Like we we're going to talk about some layout boat hunting options, but we're not going to go in depth on like how to build or how to fully hide yourself while layout boat hunting. Yep. So I'd say mid range. Mid range. Yeah. Yellow belt or brown. I don't know where. <laughs> I don't know my. I don't know my belts. My. <laughs> I don't know where yellow, yellow is on the belt. belt range. I think yeah. I think every martial arts different. <laughs> I think that's only in taekwondo. So. That's all I know. A little bit for everyone, I think. We got a little something for everybody. Yeah. So, but before we jump in the podcast, um, you know, let's, let's talk about what's been going on lately. I, I, I got something I want to talk about a little bit. So I actually finished the inside portion of my garage, the dog box, um, and the doggy door to the outside of my house. So I feel like 
Um, I did a very, very amateur job, and whoever buys the house next is not going to be super pleased. But <laughs> I was impressed with it. It's more than I could have done. I can promise you that. I'm, I'm, I was impressed from what I've seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm, su- I'm super happy with it. I'm giving, my, I'm giving myself a little bit of a hard time on it. But it, it is. It does feel really weird when you start cutting a hole into your house. You know what I mean? Like literally just. What, what did you use to cut it? What, what what tool do you use to cut a hole in your house? I wouldn't even know. Uh, like a jigsaw? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of the exact name of what that tool is, but it's a. Yeah, I'm gonna sound like a complete idiot if I if I try to explain it over the podcast. It's the one that goes. You know, like there's, yeah, there's I no think that's called a jigsaw. Yeah, it's. I mean, I know what a jigsaw is, but it's, it's like a handheld power tool version of that. Yeah, um, it's got the blade that goes out there and comes back forth really quick. And yeah, so mm-hmm. we cut through the siding on that and um, cut it perfectly to fit um, with a doggy door fitting in between two of the studs in the side of the house. So cut through everything, cut through the siding, and then put the doggy door right there. Um, on either side. So it's perfect because Chief can go from that kennel I built on the outside into the dog box on the inside. And, um, you know, it actually keeps it nice and cool. The garage doesn't get too hot. He comes in there, lays on the cement, um, and actually is cooler, I think, inside than outside a lot of the time right now where it's like 90 degrees. And hopefully in the winter, too, it's warmer. So And I made it big enough that when I have my second dog that they'll both just be able to come in and out and have plenty of space in there and um, you know, put bedding in there and everything and have it set up, uh, you know, for all winter. So I, I still have a little bit left on it, but it, it's pretty, it's pretty well set up. Do you have a time speaking of the second dog thing? I've heard you say that twice now over the past couple of weeks, second dog, what's the timeline on this? <laughs> I, I don't have a timeline. I just want to have the option to have more than one dog. And I would have liked, honestly, I would have liked to already done it, but it's just like, I'm so busy, right? You're, I mean, mm-hmm. you're the same way. It's just, um, I'm so busy already. And then family and all that. It's like, how do you balance having another dog? So, um, I don't know if there ever be the right time to be honest, but at some point in my life, I would like to have two hunting dogs. Yeah. Well, I, I got, I got my hands. I've got two hunting dogs right now. Of course, Izzy can't hunt, but Georgie's certainly, a handful at this moment in time and taking up a lot of my time and energy for sure. Yeah. But two's... I bet. <laughs> so did you, did you see, I, I've speaking of projects, did you see the uh, Barnwood project we did oh, with yeah. the 4th of July flag on it? That looked really cool. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. We, we had an old um, hot tub there and we tore it out and, we got that old barn out beside our house and Aiden and Elijah, my son, Elijah and I, we took all that off there and put it up right in time for 4th of July. And then that thing, it turned out really, really cool. So we've been kind of working on some projects as well. I was excited about that. Yeah, no, it looked really well. I thought that picture of Georgie was pretty cool too. Yeah, I got her. She'll, she'll hop right up on those picnic tables and, and sit there and, and take pictures. So yeah, I thought that was perfect integration with integration with her, with the flag behind her. And I'll tell you, I've never been more excited to be patriotic than right now. And it's like, it's crazy because I posted that picture of Georgie with the flag behind it. And for the first time I I had a feeling of like, who am I going to piss off on (laughs) social media for actually just putting it that i love america and i couldn't believe it i'm like is that where we're at now that you're like like who am i gonna piss off by saying i love america it's like this is the freaking twilight zone yeah i never thought there'd be a time in my life where it's controversial to be patriotic about america amen i it's just unbelievable it's unbelievable yeah it's like uh, on my fourth of july post you know and, and i put like that i was thankful to be born in the greatest country on earth. And it's like, you know, why is that like to be patriotic to like, why is that controversial? You know, I don't know. So have you, have you seen those? uh, I put posts from this new podcast I've been listening to, and he does clips kind of like Joe Rogan does small clips. It's called Tim cast IRL. 
Have you, have you, did you see that I posted those on Facebook, those links? Did they come across your newsfeed? Uh, yeah, but I hadn't watched any of them. I'll tell you, this guy, he's like probably in his 30s. He's been on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple times. And he's like kind of like an ex, well, not an ex skater. He's kind of like a skater. And, but he's just super intelligent guy. And he's actually a liberal. Um, but he's moving more conservative with all these whacked out social justice warriors. And, and I have been eating up his content because it's like, if you guys, if I'm telling you, if you are sick and tired of all this garbage that's going on right now, and you just want to hear someone intelligently talk trash on these people and talk truth, I would suggest going and checking this YouTube channel out. It's Timcast IRL because it's just like, it's made me feel so good inside to, to listen to someone just speak the truth about all the crap that's going on right now. And it's, it's really calmed my insides down. You should Jordan, if you get a chance, just listen to one of those. They're on, they're on like 10, 15 minutes. It's just like clips. It's worth a listen. Yeah. I've definitely, I've definitely seen this stuff before, but um, yeah, I'll check out those links you sent me as well. So I, I definitely agree with everything you said about them too. So definitely. Uh, yeah. Good, good stuff coming from, from that front and, you know, but still it's like, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. I have no idea, but who knows? All right. Well, I guess let's go ahead and jump to our partners for the podcast. All right. First off, we'd like to give a big thanks out to HCR Innovations. Um, right now, guys, HCR Innovations is doing a summer promotion for the gun stand um, and talking about their new accessories uh, for the gun stand and all that. So right now, uh, if you order the HTR gun stand, you actually get a game strap that comes with it for free. Um, so it's definitely a great time right now, July, to look into those. Um, guys, we talked about this all the time. One of the biggest things I see when people pick up an HTR gun stand, they're super surprised at how lightweight it is. It literally weighs three and a half pounds, so it's not just something else to bring out there. It is something to have out there, put in the mud, um, and put everything else you brought with you that you hunt with out there on it. Um, and I, I won't go to the marsh without it. So definitely check out um, htrinnovations.com for one of those gun stands. Well, if you guys are listening to the podcast, you probably know that Jordan and I are both big dog lovers, man. We each have our hunting dogs, and, and they are part of the family. And you put so much time and effort into training them and so much money involved and vet bills and dog food and, and just purchasing them. You want to keep your dog safe. And the best way to do that when you're on the road, when you're going to your hunt or going on that hunt trip is Gunner Kennels. It is made in the USA. It's double wall roto molded five star crash test. And it is just a tank. You can put it in the back of your truck and you can use the specially made that straps fit perfect in it to to strap that dog in in case you get into a crash and it, you're, it's going to keep your dog as safe as anything on the market. And you can get 10% off with a duck gun space 10 that's capital D U C K capital G U N space 10 for that 10% off. It's a little bit of an investment, but my guess is if you buy one, these things are they're so durable. You'll only have to buy one. That thing will, will last probably longer than you're actually hunting. So it's a one to probably a one-time investment and it'll take care of you. Awesome. Uh, also like to give a big thanks out to banded Avery Greenhead gear. And guys, we've been partnered with them over almost for a year now, which uh, it's been a great partnership for, for us. And um, you know, Elliot and I have been rocking their gear all season long last year. And we're excited to get out there again in the marsh and be rocking banded gear and, and all that goes along with that. Um, so one product I want to uh, put a highlight to this week um, that I've actually been personally looking at. Uh, I mean, and they have everything you need for hunting, um, even some stuff that's not necessarily hunting related. But they have um, some pretty cool designs uh, for their T-shirts. Um, but, you know anything you need from there. But that's actually what I've been looking at this week. Um, getting some of my summer where I always like to be wearing duck hunting stuff, even if it is just a, a t-shirt, something that, that shows I'm a duck hunter. Um, you never know what kind of conversations that might, might, uh, 
bring up at you know your Fourth of July party or whatever. So um, definitely check out Bandit Avery Greenhead Gear and everything they have to offer. All righty, so let's go ahead and jump right into the podcast. Um, and like I said, this week's topic we're going to be talking about uh, blinds and everything that goes into hunting from a blind. And we got the expert Elliot bringing his insight and intellect on this topic. So you ready to ready to rock and roll? Well, it's a little bit overhyped to my <laughs> knowledge level, but. I, I will definitely tell it everything my experiences is yielded, but I'm sure there are definitely people more knowledgeable than me on it. All righty. So first off, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some locations. So, um, and kind of kind of take you guys through the different options, and um, you know, kind of kind of like uh, our our decision making through each location. So first off, we're gonna talk about farm ponds. Um, so what do we got, Elliot? You want to take farm ponds to start with? Yeah, well, as Jordan was saying, we've got the different locations. We're going to talk about farm pond, marshes, rivers, if you have ice, big lakes, big water. And then our blind options are boat blinds, kayaks and layouts, options from the shore, natural vegetation and A-frame. And, and for, for me personally, um, if I'm going to farm pond hunt, and I, I have done... I wouldn't say a a ton of farm pond hunting. I've probably been on ten or fifteen farm pond hunts, and in the maybe not even that much, maybe like ten in the last twenty seven years or so. And there are certainly some different options. The farm ponds that we've hunted are typically prairie farm ponds, so there's not a lot of trees ringing the edges. In any time, in any of these scenarios, if you have trees, then it becomes just a thousand times easier to get concealed. So I'm coming from the vantage point of you're not going to have trees to hide under. Um, and right now, since basically really you, Jordan, got me into airframe hunting, I think an A-frame is, is your best option on the side of a pond. Now, three years ago, I would have said a layout blind, which, which we have those as well, but we haven't used them forever. But personally, um, I think an A-frame from the side of a pond is a really, really good option. Yeah. So I know, I, I mean, I've done quite a, a bit of, um, I, I would say a good percentage of my hunts are farm pond hunts. Um, and yeah, I, I can't say A-frames do work in like those situations. Great, for sure. Um, we even had a hunt last year where, I, mean, I guess it depends on your definition of a farm pond, but this is like right next to a cornfield. So it, it's got a woods on one side, a cornfield on the other side and like a sand mound on the other side. I guess that's a farm pond. But in that one, we even put A-frames out in the middle of the water. So, hmm. um, you know, we, we've done a lot of different things. Um, one, I guess one to to mention on there that maybe the only thing that surpasses A-frames on farm ponds is permanent blinds, like a wood blind. Um, and honestly, I don't even know if it surpasses. It's, it's probably equal to. I think the only thing that, that makes it maybe better is the fact that it's there all the time. So they're mm-hmm. really used to it, but you can do that. You can leave an A-frame right next to a pond, uh, you know, granted if you have um, multiple or if that's the only place you hunt, you know, um, and you know, with me being connected with the HCR guys, we definitely have that option to have quite a few A-frames. And so, I mean, those ones that were out in, in the water, you know, some, sometimes we leave them out there. We leave them out of spot. Because we think the hunt's going to be, you know, we're going to have multiple hunts right there. So, um, like you said, definitely different options for farm ponds. I mean, really, you could do layouts as well. But, I I mean, I'm way, way more of a fan of the A-frame than a layout. Um, and we've talked about that before. But, you know, being able to stand up and be quicker and more accurate, um, if it's just as effective, if not more, than a layout, then it's like, you know, you go for the A-frame. So, I definitely agree with you, everything you had on that for the farm pond. But I will say that we've had some really, really solid hunts on places where you have permission from the farmer to have a permanent blind. Um, that's probably the only thing I'd ever do on a farm pond above an A-frame. And there's certainly if you don't own an A-frame, there there are other options. I've just been sitting here thinking about how much farm pond I've actually done. I think I've done more than what my first memory 
um, of 10 hunts. I think it's probably more like 20. I mean, before we had layout blinds and we had no trees, we used to take just those old burlap, um, you know, those heavy burlap camo nets mm-hmm. that if they get wet, they become like as, as heavy as concrete. <laughs> we used to take those and we just laid under them and we would put our backpack and use that as a pillow. I remember doing that one time and having some success, although that's not natural looking camo, but we, we did do that. Um, there's times where, um, some, some ponds, especially ponds that have a lot of cows using them, they'll get some, some ruts. The cows will actually use so much traffic that it kind of ruts things out. And if Mm -hmm. you have the right color on, you can just kind of lay down in those ruts. Or if you can get a bank behind you, sometimes you can lay on the mud bank or the, the dirt bank and lay right up against it and, and, um, blend in. Um, the last thing you want to do is sit on a bucket, um, which is what we've done a lot of, I've done a lot of farm pond hunting during dove season. Most people hunt doves, I think in, in some flower fields and, and more in ag fields. But actually when we, when I grew up hunting doves, we always did them on farm ponds, um, right at evening and we would just sit on buckets, but, um, that certainly will not work for ducks, but you can lay under a, a tarp. Like I said, you can lay in those ruts. We've used layout blinds. We've actually pulled in our kayaks um, with our, um, bass, um, bass Redhead. pro or thank you, redhead blind attachments and use those on the shoreline and use those like a layout. So there are certainly lots of different methods that you, that you can use, but the, the one thing that you need to be focusing on is just making sure you're hitting hidden and actually adding natural vegetation to whatever you're using. So, you know, if you're using a, a blanket, that's a camo blanket, put, try to get some grass on top of it, you know, try to make it as 3d as possible, but there are lots of options that were, Oh, and I forgot my, my dad. And I've, I've done this on one of my videos at a pond. Um, he was hunting this farm pond a lot and it didn't have, um, really any good hide. So what he did is he dug footholes so he could sit down on the ground to where just his knees down to his feet were, um, in a hole and then he just used a few cattails and and some vegetation to kind of build up around him. So it was a little tiny, tiny blind where he was just sitting with his feet and legs in the hole. And he had a lot of success, a lot of success doing that. I used that trick um, when Elijah shot his first duck. Um, we had a mound that we did that on. So that that's a, a nice trick that works as well. Yeah, yeah. And we've even done it in the trees. I've never tried really just standing on the trees. I guess we, we have. We've done standing right next to a tree, just like they do in flooded timber. But we got this mm-hmm. one farm pond, and I love to hunt it. Um, but we we don't hunt it that much. Um, I don't have permission on it, but um, you know some of the guys I hunt with do. I wish we'd hunt it more because I feel like it's a something we don't utilize as well as we could because it's just such a it's a cool place to hunt. I mean, it's really tight quarters, and I've been in there scouting when there's a lot of birds dropping in, and they just. It's it's the probably the closest thing to like having a flooded timber type hunt in Indiana that we could get to. Um, super type tight woods, and the birds just drop right in. Um, and yeah, it, it'd just be a lot of fun. But we've had some success hunting out of a frames in that, and as well as standing up in trees and all that. But I hope I hope we hunt it more <laughs> this year. Yeah, when we get trees like that. We just sit with them at our back. And I mean, we have a lot of success at some of our marshes here on the eastern side of the state or, or ponds where, you know, I got trees. I'll just sit with it at my back. Now, anytime that you have sparse um, cover, the fewer guys you hunt with, the better. If you try to put six guys all laying on a bank under camo tarps, you're not going to shoot ducks. It's just too many living beings. But you can get away with it with one or two, maybe three. Um, so a lot of these, a lot of these concealments, you might just think about your, your number of people that you're with. Cause it's super hard to hunt four or five or hide four or five, six guys in, in these types of settings. If you don't have, you know, a frames or layouts, you know? Yeah. And, and we're kind of beating, almost beating a dead horse when we say the a frame stuff again, but like, um, one other option that's very similar to an a frame, the solo 360 blind is made for one person. And I'm such a believer in the A-frame style that I use that as well for my single-person solution because, I mean, I do quite a few of solo hunts throughout the year, and having that option to have that 
that solo blind I've done it on farm ponds um, as well. I mean, you just just like an A-frame, exact st- same scenario, um, which kind of brings us to the next the next thing we want to talk about with each location. But um, can you hide it? And so that kind of kind of goes to the cool the the two schools of thoughts that you might have um, when you're going to set up, and it, and it really goes back to um, the layout versus the A-frame style. Are you trying to blend in? Or you're trying to look natural, uh, hiding in plain sight with the A-frame um, or the boat blind if you're uh, in a different type of situation, or blending in like you do in Smartweed, Elliot. A lot of times, Smartweed with mm-hmm. your layout, with your layout boat. So those are like the two options or the two schools of thoughts. Um, you know, so when you get to your location, what's my location? What are my tools? Um, to accomplish this, what to be concealed, to hide, um, and then is this going to work in that location? So, um, yeah. And, and you need a plan before you go, which I think is what you're alluding to. It's don't just get someplace and then try to figure out how to hide. Have a game plan to what you're going to do before. Now, sometimes the game plan is I'm not sure how we're going to hide, so I'm going to take, you know, some – like I've had before where I've got my layout uh, kayaks with me. I've got mesh netting and, and I've got the A-frame with us cause I'm not sure which one I need to use, but um, have a general, the materials or a game plan in mind before you go. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, like I said, a lot of those, a lot of those things we talked about will work and it's just trying those and kind of seeing, where it fits in in that situation, like can you make it work for those locations, and, and not only that, but can like which when, which one of those options is going to work best to get on the X? Like if you are in a timber farm pond where you got lots of trees, but they're all landing at the back corner and it's a lot sparse, more sparse, um, then you're not going to be able to do the lean against the tree option. Maybe the first time you go out there and hunt it. And you end up, oh, there's tons of trees here. Let's try to set up over there. Well, you realize that you have really good concealment being on those trees, you know, just a few hunters there just leaning up against trees. But the birds all want to naturally work to the end that has less cover. So you're like, okay, well, what's our what's our next option? Is it the A-frame? Is it uh, building a permanent blind? Whatever it is. Um, so it's, you know, that's really the next step in figuring out your place. And then finally, once, once you've done all those, um, you know, it's kind of rinse and repeat. You know, you got to learn from your hunts. Uh, try it out, change it if you need to, and learn how to hunt that spot. Let me ask you a question, Jordan. Um, would you rather, let's say you have a pond, and just like you're talking about, and the X is in the area that's more that's harder to hide in. Would you rather be on the X with a little less concealment, or would you rather be, let's say, 100 yards off the X but full concealment? Um, well, I, th- I think that's kind of, uh, hmm. I think that you can bring your concealment with you. Now, if you don't have the options to it, I mean, you're never going to shoot the birds if you're not concealed, right? I, you, you will shoot some birds, but you're not going to have the hunt you could have that you won't reach the potential of your hunt would be a good way to put it. If you don't have concealment, cause there's going to be birds that flare off. There's going to be opportunities lost. There's going to be birds that don't finish as close as they would have if you have perfect concealment. And so maybe instead of getting those 10-yard shots, you're getting them peeling off at 25, 30 yards, which you're going to have way worse shooting. So um, it's, it's really a tough one. You know, I, I would rather have birds finishing and have good concealment. But I really do believe that with options like the A-frame, if you own an A-frame, it's like if you, you can always have 100% concealment with an A-frame. Now, let me add to something about the A-frame, and I've seen Jordan's videos, so I know how he does it, and I've seen other videos, and and I see one common mistake that I'm seeing pop up with people in their A-frames that you do a great job on, Jordan, is you have to be covered from the top, especially if you're hunting mallards. And Jordan, you do a better job on this than I do. You know, with those A-frames, you want that brush clear up in between you guys hanging over the back hanging over your heads because if you have three guys or if it's a bigger a-frame four guys in an a-frame and you're you don't have top concealment and, and those mallards circle even one time they're going to see you 
So make sure I would, I would put more concealment on the top, certainly than the back. Um, and as much as the front. And that's something, you know, like yeah. I said, your, your crew does a fantastic job on it if you see Jordan's videos. Yeah. For, for me, it always, for, for brushing it in, it's always, it's always having as much on top as possible. Like you said, I, I start from the top and work down. So I don't do front or back or anything like that. It's 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 working from the top down. So like mm. if you only have this much brush, like the bottom could be bare, um, but really, the, mm. and it shouldn't be right. But like I'm saying, like I'd rather if I only have this much brush and this much time to brush it, um, then that's the most important part. But we always make sure to have them brushed beforehand and then fill in. So we could have a whole episode on brushing, but we. But we won't. We'll just leave that little tidbit for for uh, for this episode, and maybe we will in the future uh, have a whole brushing episode. But <laughs> do you right, remember? Do you remember what we used to brush our blinds on the teal opener last year? Uh, yes, we used um, natural marijuana, right? Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were using wild. Ditch weed is what we call it in Kansas. It's not certainly not smokable, but it it looks like it and smells like it. And that was a big part of what we used to brush in our a frames with. Yeah, hey, it got the job done. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and jump to the next one. So, next location we got is marshes. So, again, I'll kind of let you. I'll let you go ahead on this one, Elliot. Now, a lot, there's a lot of different variables in the marshes. There's different types of marshes. You know, when I hunt early season out in the middle of the state, we're talking prairie marshes and prairie marshes are the hardest marsh to conceal in. Um, and then on my side of the state, which is the Eastern side, we, we have marshes that have a lot of trees, thickets out in the middle. So when I talk about concealment and how to conceal in a marsh, I typically like to talk about the prairie marsh because it is by far the most difficult um, environment to, that I've ever experienced to try to hide in. And so, you know, does the marsh allow big boats or not? That makes a difference. Um, if it allows big boats, I've, I've seen guys try to use big boat blinds in marshes and, and it's not a route that I've gone down, but I know certainly people like Phil Conkey, um, are masters at it. But if you're going to use a big boat blind like that, you better get really, really schooled. Um, in fact, I, I would advise you to go check out um, what's what's Phil's YouTube channel? Do you remember? Is it just Phil Conkey? I think you're right. Yeah, K H A N K E, I believe. But he has some masterful tutorial videos about how to um, do the boat blind. But for us, it's traditionally been layout boats and now layout kayaks. But we are starting to transition a little more once again to the A frame um, in these shallow water shallow water marshes. But the big thing about about the concealment in these areas is being really, really flexible and and being able to accommodate every situation in every every area. And again, it, it can it can be done properly um even if you don't have an A-frame and you don't have layout boats. And once again the worst thing you can possibly do is to take a bucket out into a marsh and sit on a bucket and try to be concealed that way, which we commonly see people trying to do that. Um, I was, at, I was at one marsh where a guy literally sat on a bucket, um, with no concealment and he put his spinner at about 40 to 50 yards away from him. And he was trying to shoot landing birds at 45 to 55 yards. That's the worst possible way that you can, you can go about, about doing it. Um, my personal preference is still the redhead blind attachment fully grassed in, um, in a shallow marsh like that. Although I, I, last year when you came up was the first time that we, we tried the A-frame during the, during the teal hunt and it, it worked well, it, it worked well. And I knew that it will, but I still, my go-to would be the, the kayak layout blind. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, uh. Um, some point when I come out there, for some reason, that's never the option when I come out. Um, but I would love to experience your prairie marsh kayak blind mm-hmm. <laughs> hunts. So we need to we need to make that happen one of these hunts when I come out. I mean, obviously you can't force concealment that's not going to work, and it's it's mm-hmm. always cool to try different things. But like I said, I haven't I haven't done that very much. Um, 
for the kayak layout blind. And I got that last year. And that was actually one of my goals to do some hunts like that. But it's so foreign to me to do the layout boat hunting that it just never happened for me. This year I'm going to make it a point because we found lots of times where we were just either standing in natural vegetation or something like that. And I feel like we could up our game and get closer to the birds, like you're saying. Um, we had a goose hunt last year where we were, like, standing on these bogs uh, out there in, in what I'd call kind of like a marshy area. Um, and we both just thought, man, if we could just have layout boats ready excuse me, ready to roll and we could hunt like, well, like what you do, and, uh, you know, um, I think we'd have a better option. And one thing about it is it's a completely different experience when you're laying in a layout on your back at that low of a level, you know, the visuals are are more difficult. The shooting is more difficult, but it's kind of like you're, you're more one with the marsh. That probably sounds kind of, kind of corny, but when, when you're in an A-frame, it's like you're in a blind, right? If when you're laying in a layout completely covered with grasses and everything, it feels a little bit more predatorial. Does that make sense? I guess. And it's just a totally different experience. And I like both. I do. I very much like both experiences, but it, it it's a total different feel to it than being in, a, in an A-frame. And sometimes it's nice just to lay down and take a nap. I won't lie. Is it for you? Is it all about being a predator out there? No, it's not. But, but you definitely feel it. You definitely do feel it. Yeah. You know, like a, like a good snow goose stock where you, people can kind of talk trash on how every now and then we'll go on a snow goose stock. And my goal is not to shoot a hundred on one flush, but when you're on your belly crawling to try to harvest your game, definitely there's an emotion to it. That's there's something inside of you that's unlocked a little bit, I guess. And, and, and that same kind of feeling is a little bit more so with a, with a layout. I, I love it. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. I'm but the shooting is definitely an adjustment. The shooting is a huge adjustment it was fun actually to watch josh on outdoor limits um as he started doing more kayak layout hunting to watch him go through that shooting adjustment where he's got it down pat now but his first four or five hunts that he tried that i mean were a real struggle because it isn't a, a huge adjustment the timing's different the call you have to call the shot a little bit different because it's just you know doing a sit up before you shoot is just different than just standing up real quick it's just it's just different and you got me pumped for it now so, um, kind of going off on a, a little bit of off, off trail and we'll jump back into the next location and blind, but, um, I got, uh, or <laughs> my mom asked me for ideas for my dad for father's day. And I said that she needed to get him the redhead blind. So she went ahead and got him that. And actually, uh, me and my siblings went together to get like the battery and lights and like, he's got like interior lights, like his hunting, he's got an H12 as well. Um, and with the redhead blind, but his thing is his whole setup is going to be tricked out this year for all that. Um, it's going to be be pretty cool. Um, but thinking about that, like you said, with the timing, that's one thing I've always been a little nervous about too, the timing and the shooting. Um, cause you know, it's going to be real cool to get him in close, but it's going to not be so cool watching him fly away without, you know, with three whiffs, but (laughs) I think I need to get on uh, the sit up train or something that way I'm quicker out of the out of the gate. <laughs> the big problem is pass shots. Like, I don't know if you remember the video I did, how to suck at duck hunting where I went on like an O for nine O for 10 stretch on that hunt. Well, th- one of the main reasons I was struggling so bad is I was trying to shoot green wing teal buzzing through the set. And yeah. that is so difficult. So difficult. If you get mallards that are hovering down in a, you know, backpedaling down over the decoys, as always, the shooting's a lot easier. But if, if you're a pass shooter and you want to shoot those buzzing by shots, because even laying down like that, you can't rotate your upper body as, mm-hmm. as fluidly, even after the sit up, you just can't, I mean, try to sit on your butt with your legs straight out and turn right and left versus standing. I mean, it's just your whole fluidity is totally different. So you, you, ha- you do need to be more disciplined with, with your shot selection. But also what I did that really helped is I just got into my layout in my garage and I practiced like I would put, pick out an object on the wall and I would practice quickly getting up and putting my beat on that object. Um, and I did that a bunch. Um, and that really, really helped me, but there's a lot to, I'd love to have you and your dad down and just like, okay, we are going to lay out hunt, you know, during this time frame. I'm available next weekend. 
October would be a good time. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going out to those those prairie marshes a, a lot in October. So we might think about that. So is that a no go for next weekend? Well, I mean, we can go out in the 95, um, 100 humidity Kansas heat and lay out and, and you know, if you want to go do that, I'll throw some blue rock for you and you can, you know, switch your balls right off, cure those oak right. nuts real fast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking so, of oak nuts, did you see, did you see Tim Cochran's oak nuts shirt? And I got one in the mail. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have I an oak nuts t-shirt right now in my possession. Uh, why are you wearing it? I, I, I should be. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> yeah. He's going all out, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't play. Tim Cochran no, does doesn't. not play. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's pick up where we were. Um, so yeah, marshes again, school of thought. I mean, there's, there's all those different options to, to get to it. Like you said, um, you can get the boat. I'm sure there's places where you can put a frames cause we've done it. Um, same with, layout boats and all that so um can you hide it is it going to work in that area you know when you're brushed in make sure <laughs> you keep brushing um because if you you think you're done you're probably not um but yeah so after that it's kind of rinse and repeat and once you got it locked down elliot like well like you do in your marshes you you know you're good to go yeah it, it's a lot of effort yeah it's just figure out what mistake you're making and improve on it. And one of the big things that you mentioned was the th- look 3D, not flat. And that's one big problem we've had in our layouts is finding a way to make sure that we look three dimensional um, and and not flat. And and you know if if you have tarps or whatever and you just use them all season, they're going to start looking two dimensional real fast. So natural vegetation added on is a huge key. All right, so next le- next location we got is the river. And so this is definitely an interesting one. I think that this is probably the first one that we've talked about where a lot of the time that a uh, boat blind actually will excel. Um, and, you know, there, there's just lots of options, and that, that's a lot of what you see out on rivers. Um, and I think it also depends on state regulations as far as uh, what's legal to do? Like, can you get up on the bank and put a blind? Probably not in most states. Now, can you get on a sandbar? Probably in most states. Uh, even with like islands, I think a lot of states are fine with that as well, as long as they're not just like owned by somebody. Um, and and then other states, uh, you can barely hunt rivers at all. Like Michigan, you have to have permission um, from the landowner. It's not just a public river. It's not a pub- public river for hunting. So, like Indiana, we have the the uh, option to hunt just anywhere. I know a lot of those western states is if you touch anything, like the landowners own the land under the water. So if you touch a rock in the water, you are trespassing. So you know, definitely make sure on your own personal state regulations. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know how you anchor down then uh, in those western states because if your anchor hits, are you trespassing? Yeah, I, think I don't think you can touch at all. Yeah. No, I think so, you'd probably get by with an anchor. I think you can probably get by with an anchor. None of your feet can't touch. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I know some of those Western states are pretty picky about the rivers. So I, I'll say that's one thing. Um, if Indiana has uh, something that's super positive about it, it's the, the access to rivers and have an ability to hunt like that. But let's jump into the blinds. So I, I would say, again, you know, all your options. You have the kayak layouts. You have shore options, natural vegetation, A-frames, Permanent blinds, depending on the state. I know that's a big thing in Virginia. Thomas talks about a lot. Um, and boat blinds. So for me, I think that, you know, boat blinds are, are probably the best option. And then also, Ellie, I'm sure you've probably done it too, where you've taken your kayaks. Um, if you have the right kind of like a slough that comes off of it and the water's moving slow um, in a place where you can park your kayak, I'm sure that would be a really good option as well but you don't really have the same type of blend in options with the smart smart weed you have in in marshes what what are your kind of thoughts on that well for us river hunting is and you experienced it i guess you've been on two hunts now haven't you with me on on the river um yep both of them one of them was okay one of them was a total (laughs) bust but um our rivers are typically late season and you're normally talking sandbars and the sandbars are either brown or they are glazed with ice and, and just have an ice cover to them. And this is for me, the absolute hardest place 
to conceal of any place that, that I've ever hunted. You just don't have much to work with. Um, some of the old timers will say they used to dig in little pits in there. Just, they'd bring a shovel with them. Um, and they would dig and get their profile lower, but that, you know, if, if it's too cold, that becomes very, very difficult. We've tried layout blinds, which we've had some limited success, um, with layout blinds. And typically when, when we're river hunting, what happens is we find a good place to hunt. We put two or three guys in layout blinds there. We realize that we cannot finish birds with that, with three guys. So we go one guy sitting over the spread in a layout blind the other guys back watching and rotate in and, and people don't a lot of times like to do that, but that's that for us is how hard it is to decoy birds on sandbars. I'm a little more interested to try the A-frame. Although if you remember Jordan, we tried that A-frame um, last year and it didn't really, um, it wasn't that successful, but I, I do think our main problem in that situation was probably water, no movement on the water, even though we had one jerk rig. Um, but yeah. it, it's just and extremely did, difficult. And we did have people that were sitting outside of the blind too, which I, I don't think that helped at all. No. Um, yeah. So like a true test would have nobody outside the blind. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just questioned it. I, ju- I would be, I honestly would be really surprised if an A-frame even brushed on a bare sandbar or especially one that has like snow and ice cover on it. Because we have, like I said, we have tried two layout blinds side by side that are brown on a snowy, icy sandbar and have not been able to finish birds. And then when we pull one person back, we start, we start decoying them in. So certainly if it's white covered sandbar or icy, um, you really need some kind of snow tarp or something to go on top of them to help, um, but it's it's a it's a real challenge. Another option that we've done is pulling in big sticks and logs, kind of like what you and I did over that ice hole, Jordan, where we pulled in a bunch of logs and and we just laid in and around the logs. That worked for us that day. Um, that and and that's bar. another option. That was, I mean that the concealment on that hunt was so crazy because we 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 made a V. Essentially, we made a V with sticks. We pulled sticks out of the forest. We made a V that went up. Excuse me. It went up. Well, um, set, you need to set the surroundings and and give what the surroundings were a little bit. Yeah. Or okay. or I can. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was an ice hole. Mm-hmm. Everything was frozen, and we were just like last ditch trying to find somewhere to go. Which I, the only way, reason we did that is because you knew it wasn't deep enough that we'd fall in and drown. Because yeah. I was super nervous about it. Um, it was shallow. Yeah, but it was a shallow marsh, so uh, it was just an ice hole that the birds had been keeping open. And so we had nothing like we, we walked down to it. We didn't have anything. We're hoping that it was open close enough to the trees to hunt. And it wasn't. So we took what we could. We didn't have anything really to chop down brush um, or anything like that. So we just drug deadfall out of the, the forest and made a V that was like the length of our body. So maybe like six, seven feet long. Um, and then it peaked at our behind us and chief actually laid on the ice behind us. Um, and we put that V there and I still can't believe it. I, I feel like, like a sunny day too. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I wonder how many times out of 10 that would work, but on that day it did work. And we had the V we laid down on the ice and I mean, we had birds decoy in like we had, uh, um, what was it? Bluebill, mm-hmm. bluebill, um, like a flock of like five. I mean, they decoyed all the way in over the decoys in our face while we did that. And it was just insane. And we finished, Matt, we finished, we saw four mallards. We didn't kill that many birds. We saw four mallards. We killed three <laughs> of them. Um, two of them, did two land in the, in the decoys or was it just one that no, landed we, in the we decoys? We had two land in the decoys, but we also had uh, a group of four that were working in and we pulled up to shoot on the first two, right? Yeah. Yep, and that one, remember the one that got to the left? <laughs> and I can't remember why, but my shot was a little further on it because it was getting away when we sat up. But I crushed it, so that was a fun hunt. So now we're it, it now was we're a fun hunt. It was it was a really fun and and that worked. And so we will certainly certainly try that again. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that all just comes back to 
like figuring out uh, any spot you go to is figuring out what your options are. And our only option on that one was using natural vegetation because we didn't bring anything with us. We didn't drag an A-frame down. I mean, because that would probably been our go-to, put A-frame on the side of the the ISIL. But even then, that's something that's experimental that neither one of us has actually tried. I don't think I've ever tried on an ISIL to put an A-frame. So it would um, be interesting. And I will point out, Jordan, I want you to imagine the diff what the experiment experience, the difference of the experience would have been had we been sitting in an A-frame versus laying on our backs. It's just a different feel to the hunt completely. Uh-huh. The A-frame's like supernatural, kind of like you're saying, like hunting in a blind and the the mm-hmm. layout. It's just <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely different. That was fun. I mean that that was that was one of my funnest hunts of the year. It was our, our last ditch. We had no idea what else. This was like either we were going to do this or we were going to go home. There was just nothing, no game in town to be had. And like, ah, screw it. We go down in there and just try it. And we were so elated every bird we shot. We were like Christmas morning, giddy little kids. <laughs> well, because our expectations were, I mean, I don't know if one of us said, us, said it, but probably one of us, if both of us didn't say it, like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if we shoot one duck, we're going to be happy. You know, yeah. <laughs> we shot like, like seven or something. Yeah. Let's just pile some sticks up, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of trying to remember where we're at in this. We're at big think- lakes and big water now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that did. I guess we kind of hit ice essentially yeah. well, with that. I so. think we were talking. We were talking about rivers. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then we just started talking about other stuff. So, yeah. I guess to kind of, you know, finish off rivers, you know, just the same as everything. Figure out what's going to work on there. Play around with it, and you know, run some pre. It's going to be different every location, but I do think that having a boat is a big help. And one thing I guess we didn't really mention about it is. Some of my good river spots, too, I have permission from the landowner. So you have public access. You can get to it. If you have permission from the landowner, you can just hide your boat around there and hop up on the bank, use natural vegetation, whatever. So um, good option to find permission from landowners on rivers. That's something I'm going to probably play around with more because I don't think those get hit up as much as, you know, more obvious, obvious stuff. Yeah, for sure. And one thing to throw in. Um, if you can buy yourself some netting with like um, it's netting backed with string and they're re- they're much, much more durable and that, but they go into little, you can cram them into little stuff sacks. And if you have those with you on every occasion, we haven't used them for a few seasons now. Um, but if you have them in your possession and ready to use they are, they greatly enhance makeshift makeshift blinds. And I actually keep those in my boat, my uh, duck boat as well. So have them in snow and in, uh, in I guess, forest type green. Yeah, they're I mean. great base layers before you start putting natural stuff on them. Yeah. So I guess, uh, like you said, we talked about ice a little bit. That's the only thing different. I mean, I think you pretty much covered it with everything talked about with the ice. Yeah. So um, next thing is big lakes, big water. Um, and honestly, I have very, very little experience with this, but this is something that I want to have more experience with. Um, and I think the big problem with, with big lakes and big water is accessibility. Um, and I know with you in in Kansas, they have some great options, um, as far as even having like public walk-in areas. Like we really don't have that in Indiana. We have like spots where pretty much what the state does is they have launches and the majority of their use is for fishing, you know? Um, so definitely an option though, to launch from those boat launches for duck hunting as well. But I think the barrier to entry on that is you can't get very far in a canoe on big lake and big water. And it feels a little bit scarier than, um, for me at least than like, uh, going on a canoe on a river, which the, if you're used to the river and the current and, the, and that kind of stuff, at least you're right by the edge. Um, <laughs> but you know, with a big, big lake, if your fastest route from point A to point B is right across the middle of the lake and something happens, well, you're not anywhere near the edge. So I think a big barrier barrier to entry on those is having a boat, even if it's not your concealment option. Um, but yeah, so 
you want to share thoughts on, on big water, Elliot? Yeah, I think that's where definitely the boat blinds shine, um, is the big, big water. And I've got friends that have really nice boat blinds and, and they do well on the reservoirs. We, we have an 18 foot well built with a, um, 42 horse mud buddy motor, but we've never actually used it for big boat blinds. So what we have typically done is put our, our layout boats on top of the boat and use it to transport. And then when we get somewhere, typically it's shallow water areas or, or little banks or something, then, um, if we need to, we can make a blind in the bank or hide behind trees. But then we also have the option of using the, um, layout boats or the, the layout kayaks as well. But we have been transitioning over just to bring in the A-frame. Um, when you're crossing, when you're crossing a big reservoir at night and you've got two kayaks on top of your boat and all your gear and, and even, you know, driving the boat, the, your vision's a little bit, not totally impaired, but more than you'd like, just, it's a, it feels a little precarious. So certainly, um, again, that's a great place for the A-frames, but there are times in which, and, and I've got a place in my head right now that we've used the layout, layout boats at that I feel are superior to, to the A-frame. So th- those would easily be my go-to um, is, is using the big boat to get to where I want to be and then have options of hiding once we get there. Yeah. And I think one thing we, we kind of, um, kind of skip talking about, um, you know, I think out of kind of, uh, just, uh, the fact that we kind of realized this already, but just to kind of relay it, um, definitely scouting on these locations, even while you're hunting, always acquiring more information about the location and big water, I think is something that, that is tricky because, uh, there's so much space for these birds to go to. It's not always like obvious what the best location is. So it's kind of, you know, kind of going through the workload or the workflow that we've talked with each of these other options, you know, you go to your, your spot, um, which one of these blinds works best? Can you hide it there? Uh, you test it out. Does it work? Rinse and repeat and kind of figure out your best strategy uh, for each of your locations. Uh, but definitely on the big water. Um, I'm super excited for this year. Uh, getting, I'm still working on getting the duck boat all geared up and ready to go. And I think that's one thing I really want to hit up that I haven't um, before just because not having the duck boat or even thinking about the locations is going to add um, you know, more options for me. Well, you know, when I'm scouting and looking for birds, you know, something that's not, not been what I've been looking for in the past. So I'm excited this year to get on the big water. How long is that boat you've got? I'm curious. It's a 16 foot, 16 footer. Okay. Um, we haven't talked about safety just because that's not the topic of this podcast, but I do want to say with big lakes, um, honestly, I think that that 16 footer is about that's, there's nothing wrong with the 16 footer on there, but if you're getting below a 16 footer on a reservoir, depending on how deep it is and how deep the sides are um, on the boat, you've got to be extremely careful when, when you, especially you get down in that 12 to 14 foot range on boats, you know, guys here in the state, it's not that uncommon every now, every now and then to, to hear about guys going out with boats between 12 and 14 feet long and trying to put a blind on it, which raises the center of gravity and, and people die. So reservoirs and big water is nothing to be messed around with. Um, you have to be extremely careful and, yep. and using smaller boats to navigate some of these reservoirs is just not a good idea. Never a 12 foot boat. Which should you do that on? Um, and never overload the boat that you've got. It's, it's P you can die and people do die that, that, uh, famous country singer a couple of years ago down in Oklahoma, exact thing I was talking about. They, they took a much too small boat out on a windy lake and they died. Um, and so be careful. Yeah. I'll say that when I went with you, uh, and we were hitting logs underwater, that was pretty freaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's one reservoir that we hunt that has a lot of submerged logs and it is by far my least favorite lake to navigate. And we navigated at night and, uh, I know it and, um, 
I'm we're careful, but I do not like that reservoir for that reason. And and one time Jordan was in the boat and you know, if you go over the, these, le- these elevations of the water on these lakes change. So, you know, you can see a log one day that's half a foot out of water and the next day it could be half a foot underwater. And when you roll onto a log, that's half a foot underwater with an 18 foot boat, you're going to feel that log. Yep. And it's scary. It's scary. It doesn't, it, it's, it's less dangerous than it feels, but it does not feel fun when the temperature yeah, is 30 degrees boat, or whatever. Your boat seemed very well equipped to handle those, but not being kind of familiar with that. And like, I think it's almost understated. It was like a forest, man. We're like going over like a, it was like mogul Hills for like skiing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. well, and that's the same reservoir we flipped our boat on. Um, which I don't know. I've never actually told that story on the podcast, but we did. We, I wouldn't say we flipped it. We, we ran up on a log on a back channel and, um, submerged the back end of it and the boat ended up, we got everything off and got to shore. But by the time we were done, the boat was upside down, you know? And, and, and so that's the same reservoir, um, which made us a lot smarter and a lot more careful. And it was both a horrible mistake on my part and my dad's part. It took both of us making mistakes for that to happen, but you have to be thinking what you're doing every second. If you drop your guard for one second, you know, people can die. So it's, it's, it is a serious deal. All right, so moving on, just a couple other options that we don't really have, like blind options, but just to, you know, want to make sure we we didn't forget them. But obviously, public land, there's a lot of permanent blinds um, that are out there you just go to. So, you know, there's not a lot of options for that. You know, I can think of some of the public land draws we got in Indiana. You just go to your blind, you're good to go. So, um, But I will say for that that I've learned from this year um, that just because it's a permanent blind and it's set up, uh, I mean, the concealment on some of these is terrible. I mean, they've, they're brushed in before season, but that would be a perfect example of not just going to it. Because we, we've had hunts this year where we went there, and we were getting birds to about 40 yards, and they just flare off. We had this one day, it was me and Swamp Man. I actually didn't even post a video or anything from it, if you're watching from YouTube. Um, but, like, we just had birds after bird working in there, and they wouldn't finish. And it would have been a super cool hunt. And so for me, I'm like, all right, next time, I got to bring something of my own because it was literally, it was, it was just these blinds were rectangles with no top whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the state's version of a, you know, a blind. And, and maybe they expect people to, to put top cover on there or something, but there was none. I, I really feel like if we would have had top cover, we would have been landing birds in our decoys. So, you know, I, I would say just don't take what they give you. You know, you gotta, you gotta make it work. Absolutely. I, I've never, I have no experience with hunting out of state blinds like that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a different world. It feels more regulated, which it is. I don't know. I don't know if there's a better word for it, but you literally, in these blinds, you can't, unless you're chasing a cripple, you're not allowed to shoot your gun. So that's the only time you can actually be, you have to hunt from the blinds. You can't be like, oh, the birds are landing 50 yards to the right of the blind. Um, you have to hunt your blind. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Definitely, you know. Can just kind of takes the wild out of it that. a little You're bit. You're right. It does. It, it takes some of the decision-making out of that. It makes you feel like you had less of an impact on the hunt. Yeah. So, and the last one, timber, um, timber holes. And Elliot, Elliot was just saying how easy you guys got it. So, <laughs> Just walk out and stand. There you go. Walk out into and stand. And think that you're the master of disguise because you've got trees. I think we're just a little bit jealous of Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, if there would be, if people from Arkansas come up, good duck hunters, solid duck hunters, if they come up into some of the plains areas, whether they would instinctively know how to, how to conceal or whether it'd be a learning curve for them. Because, uh, man, it's some of these places we hunt, it is hard to get concealed. And I just wonder... What I've heard people say, and I don't have any idea if this is true or not, if you bring Arkansas hunters up up to Kansas prairies, they would have no clue what to do. And I doubt that's true. But I wonder what kind of learning curve they'd have to go through. Because, yeah. man, you watch people hunting in the timber, they're just standing behind a tree. What a dream. Yeah. I can see that being true, like, uh, maybe, like, before the internet or before, like, you know, like, if all you knew was literally your style of hunting in Arkansas. Yeah. It wasn't, like 
any TV shows to watch or, or like any, you know, there's a need for information. Like you just wouldn't know you'd have, you'd yeah. like, Oh, well, where do we hide? There's no trees here. How do you hunt it? Yeah. So, and now everyone just kind of has the knowledge cause the internet, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. And, and, you know, just seeing so many different shows and all that and, and YouTube channels. But I think that's a, a pretty good place to go ahead and wrap her up. Any last words, Elliot? Nope. I enjoy this topic. And like Jordan said a couple times, brush until you think you're done and then brush some more. Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, well, I think that's all we got for today. Guys, it's getting crazy, though. It is. Um, by the time this one comes out, it's going to be, what, July? You know, we're going to be almost halfway through July. So it feels like season's coming quicker and quicker. I can't believe it. I'm so ready for it, but I cannot believe how fast it is and i don't i don't know about you elliot but i'm honestly freaking out because there's so much stuff that we have to get done yes um before season so <laughs> yep that's true uh, yeah but guys it's it's coming in hot so stay tuned um we're definitely ready for it. i hope you guys are too but anyways i'm jordan duckling chronicles elliot freelance duckling and we'll see you guys on the next one